December Sunday morning. Amen. Who is glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. You know, it's like my dad always says, I would rather be here than in the best hospital in all of Southern California. Amen. I would rather be here than the best prison in all of America. This is a great place to be this morning, together with the family of God in the house of God. All right. Hey, let's go ahead and stand up together. We're going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we're going to keep believing and declaring in the name of Jesus that our nation is coming to him. Amen. Let's go ahead and say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. All right. Well, we're going to take a few minutes here to do a little meet and greet time. So go find somebody. Give them a nice high five, handshake, fist bump, great big hug. Make sure everybody gets some love today. Let's go.
Well, you may be seated this morning. Amen. It's great to see everybody. Well, about half of the church is down at a soccer tournament in Temecula. So <laughs> that is where I've been very lost. Uh, my wife, Pastor Katie, is gone and, and Desiree is down there as well. So, I mean, you know, it could be a wild morning without those two here. But we're going to make it through. Amen. Just bear with me. We'll be all right. And, uh, and everyone else that's down there, hopefully they're watching. They told me they would, so I hope you're watching. All right, well, let's get into some announcements. We have got some awesome things uh, coming up uh, over the next few weeks. Um, one thing, um, uh, they asked me to let you know, they've got a lot of coats accumulating in the lost and found back there. And so if you are missing a coat, there's a great chance that it's back there. And, uh, you know, you, you should get it maybe before somebody else says that they were missing a coat. I mean, you know, whatever. But uh, if you're missing a coat, go, go back there, all right? Uh, who knows what tonight is going to be right here at High Desert Word Center. Amen. It is the citywide worship night where all the churches, everyone's invited, are going to join together. We're going to have a worship service right here at 6 p.m. tonight. And uh, we'd love for you to be here. It's called the Start It In Me uh, worship night. Uh, so be here tonight, 6 o'clock. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Who's going to be here to worship the Lord with us tonight? Amen. Come on. We need more than that. Let's do this. Amen. So tonight at 6 o'clock and then... Um, this coming Friday night, December 8th at 6.30, is the December women's meeting for all of you ladies, all right? And uh, they, you, they want you to bring your favorite holiday dessert, okay? Unless, all right, there's a, there's a little asterisk here. Unless your favorite dessert is fruitcake, then don't bring it. Don't bring it. Hey, I didn't know how bad those were until someone gave me one a couple years ago. I was like, wow, you hate me that bad that you would do this to me? I think it was sick. Anyway, um, last night, a lot of you ladies went down to San Bernardino to the Rock Church. Any of you ladies in here that went down last night? Did you have a good time? All right. They went for the girls' night out Christmas event. It's an annual thing, and it seems like you all had a really great time. So um, awesome for you. Okay. Uh, this coming Sunday night, we are doing a class for engaged couples that are looking to get married. Uh, and so we've got a lot of weddings coming up in the new year. Uh, traditionally, we just like to meet individually, uh, but we're going to do a class uh, for you. If you are uh, looking to get married, all right, you're engaged and you want to, and you're looking at this, uh, the class will be this Sunday night and Monday night, December 10th and 11th. Child care is provided. I believe the class starts uh, at five. So, but we will text you. There is a sign up sheet back there on the info booth, put your name on there, and uh, and we want to go over that with you. And we're excited, man. I like to do weddings. It's going to be a great year to see so many getting married. And um, this is a requirement. If you're going to have us do your wedding, you do have to go through premarital class with us. All right. And then uh, we have a Christmas concert coming up in just a couple of weeks. Everybody, Laura Cook is going to be here from Tulsa, Oklahoma, doing a Christmas concert on Friday the 15th at 7 p.m. It's free. We just want everybody to be here. Uh, she came with her band last year, and we had a really great night uh, just worshiping and, and, uh, and singing Christmas songs. So that'll be Friday the 15th at 7 p.m. And then one of the best days for us of the whole year is our annual Christmas service. It is coming up, everybody. All right. It's going to be on Sunday the 17th at 10 a.m., all right? And uh, you know we have a great big... 
Christmas dinner together. I almost said Thanksgiving dinner. It's a Christmas dinner. And, uh, and so the good news is, is that we all get to pitch in and bring some of the food. Eh? All right. Who wants to bring some food for us to eat on Christmas? Yeah. And so this is just one of our best days of the whole year. The children are going to be doing a musical performance and a Christmas play uh, that has been written by our own children's department. They've got a full out play and a, a Christmas performance uh, with music. And then we, of course, have Christmas dinner after the service. And we have a gift for every child and teenager that is present at the service. All right. Every baby up through seniors in high school. We've got a gift for them, and we just want to celebrate that day. It's what a wonderful day. And then we are, of course, doing our toy drive for the Greater Hope Foundation Foster Agency. And so that's so that there's a great big box back there by the info booth. And so um, we're going to be bringing in toys to give to them, uh, brand new toys. We're starting to fill it up, but we want to bring some more in. All right. And so uh, that'll be for the Greater Hope uh, Foster Agency. We want to bless those kids this year. All right. And then uh, the Christmas Eve candlelight service is coming up. Amen. Who loves the candlelight service? Ah. And so that will be, uh, take a wild guess. It'll be on Christmas Eve, Robert. Okay. All right. Christmas Eve. Uh, the 24th is the date at 6 p.m. And so that'll be right here. It's a brief service, usually about a, just a half an hour long or so. But we get together. We light the candles when we have a really great time celebrating Jesus. And last but not least, this isn't on the screen. But finally, after a long time, we have more HDWC T-shirts finally coming in, everybody. You've been asking for a long time. So, um, but here's the thing. We only have 50. We only ordered 50. Uh, so those will probably go really fast, but they should be here by this coming Sunday. Uh, and their sizes small through 2XL. I believe they're $15. So anyway, a lot of you have been asking for a long time. Can we get more T-shirts? They are coming in and they should be here by next Sunday. All right. That's all the announcements we have. Other than that, there's nothing going on at this church. That's it, all right? So, amen. As you can see, we keep it pretty busy around here. But uh, we want to take a minute this morning and welcome anybody that is worshiping with us for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time. We have a welcome gift we want to give you. Could you slip your hand up real quick so our welcome team could come give you a welcome packet? All right, got a lot of you today. Praise the Lord. Amen. There is a, an information card on the inside of that packet. If you could fill that out and turn it into the information booth right back there at the end of the service, they have a gift card to Dutch Brothers for you, a coffee mug, and uh, some other great stuff. But anyway, if you could turn that in at the end, we want to give you a welcome gift and uh, just say thank you for joining us this week. Amen. All right. Who knows what time it is now? Yeah, it is happy time. And you're like, well, what's that? Well, 2 Corinthians tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. So we get cheerful and we get happy when we have a chance to give back to the Lord. So pastor is going to do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. And if you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. Amen. 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 Sounds good to me. Good job, Pastor Dave. I'm glad you're anointed to do announcements. Man. Woo! There's a lot going on in there. All, all good stuff. There's a lot going on in the world. But there's more going on in the kingdom of God. And it's far better. Amen. 
All right, hold up your hands to the envelope for your tithes, your offerings, and the usher will be glad to serve you. And I want to show you a couple things before we look at some things in the Bible. Number one, our December devotional. Our December devotional. Uh, I'm the one that writes this with the help of the Holy Spirit. And this, this month is on Jesus and his wonderful name. And so every day we're going to have something about Jesus and the name of Jesus, the power, the power of God that's in the name of Jesus, the authority that's there, the victory that's there. And everything in your life revolves around Jesus and his name. So anyway, those are back on the information booth. And also they're on hdwc.org too. And then I think you look under slash blog, B-L-O-G. They call that blog for the devotional. That's online. It's a good place to see it. And then another one here called Biblical Keys to Financial Prosperity. Biblical Keys to Financial Prosperity. And uh, we're going to be talking about tithes and offerings. I'm going to show you a really good scripture in Malachi chapter 3, a couple scriptures. But books like this will help you grow, help you learn the Bible better. And uh, we, we personally oversee every book at that bookstore to make sure there's no just religious stuff, but Bible stuff in there. Things that really help you see what to do to understand the Bible and apply it to your life. But I want you to look at Malachi chapter 3. And I'm, I'm going to read a few of these verses, talk, talk for just a very, very short time, but things you need to know about tithing that maybe you didn't know. <clears throat> Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 says, Will a man rob God? But then God says, You've robbed me. Say, so we're in, have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. In tithes and offerings. God's talking about tithes and offerings, two separate things. But we're going to talk about the tithes specifically today. He said, because you robbed me in the financial arena, you're cursed with a curse, for you robbed me, even this whole nation. And God's not the curser, but when man fell in the Garden of Eden, when they transgressed against God and his commandments, then a curse came on the earth because Satan came in. And when he came in, that's when mankind fell and then that's when all the bad things that's in the society today, they started happening. But when you're a Christian, you get born again, and you start learning the Bible, and you do things God's way. And it's more than just tithing, but you start learning what faith is, how to please God with your faith in His Word. <clears throat> you learn what love is, how to love people, because faith works by love. And you start learning Bible things, then you become start become free from the curse. But He said when you're a tither... That helps you break free from the curse. And the way I look at it, it's like this. How many know what gravity is? It's, it's, it's a natural law. Well, there's spiritual laws that were here before natural laws. As spiritual laws work like natural laws, except they affect your life a whole lot better. With gravity, gravity's always sucking everything down. Everything's going down. Everything's going down. But you get in an airplane, and there's another law called the law of thrust, the law of lift. And it lifts you up and breaks free from gravity. Well, the law of the tithe breaks you free from the curse. The curse is here. That's all the different bad things that go on in life. People say, well, things just happen. No, things don't just happen. The Bible tell us, tells us there's a law of sin and death. And when you get born again, you enter into the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. But tithing, tithing breaks you free from the curse. I want to explain a couple things to you. Verse 10 says, Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat or food in mine house. Well, in New Testament times, your local church is your storehouse. 
God has spiritual food stored up here for you. And God wants pastors and Bible teachers to be able to be taken care of in the storehouse. So you come in on Sunday morning. You don't just have somebody up here that doesn't know God or doesn't have time to pray. But somebody's taken care of by the storehouse. And then that provides you food, spiritual food. And then he says, now prove me. Here we say the Lord of hosts, the Lord of battles. Host means battles. Now I want you to see this. This is very key to see this. He says, prove me if I not open you the windows of heaven. and pour you out a blessing. Shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. It shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit for the time the field saith the Lord of hosts. Well, what that means, and I just looked at it again as I sat in my seat. God was talking to, to Hebrew people that had orchards. They had vineyards. They had crops. And when he said, I'll open the windows of heaven because they were people that knew the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 7, how many heard about Noah? Okay, Genesis 7 verse 11 says that God opened the windows of heaven and poured out rain and began to flood the earth. So when he told these guys with their orchards and vineyards, said, prove if I don't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Well, to them, the blessing they needed was water for their crops to grow. He said, prove if I don't open the windows of heaven. Immediately think about Noah. Think about the book of Genesis. They said, wow. When God opens the windows of heaven, rain comes. And we need rain for our crops. And then he said, I'll rebuke the devourer, and your vines won't drop their fruit before the time in the field. He said, I'll, I'll rebuke the devourer. That was the insects, the locusts, the plagues that come on a crop. And so for these people in the Old Testament, he's talking to them. They knew he's talking about our livelihood. He's talking about where, where, where our supply comes from is from our fruit. It's from our crops. And God said that there's a curse on them because we're not tithing. So if we tithe, God said, I'll give you rain. And I, I remember years ago, there was a preacher I knew that had an orchard, or, big orange orchard down in, down in Florida. And there were frosts coming through there. And they were losing millions of dollars because the frost came through there and was destroying the, destroying the, the, the orange orchards. And... He prayed. He took his Bible out there. He pointed to his orchard. He pointed up to heaven. He said, God, I'm proving you. He said, I'm a tithing believer. I tithe. And said, this, this frost coming through here is destroying these crops. And he made the national news. They showed that part of Florida at vineyard after vineyard, orchard after orchard. They were destroyed. And they had this one big orchard was protected. Amen. Amen. And so... I say that to say this, uh, we're, we're not, we're not, I don't think anybody here is an orchard owner or farmer or things like that, but some of you drive trucks. Some of you teach school. Some of you have your own businesses. Some of you uh, work at the railroad. And with all the uncertain times with things going on, God said, prove me now. If I not bless your employment, if I not bless your business, but I'll cause things to happen. If I not cause houses to be sold when they're not selling. Amen. You see what I'm saying? And so when we teach tithing, we're not teaching it so the church can get rich. We're teaching it so the people can be blessed and have a good life. And so that's why you tithe. But I want to show you one more thing about this that I want you to see. Look at verse 14. 
And this is what happens when Christians let the devil come in to steal from them. If people think it's not working and things aren't going right, they begin to talk. And so God said in verse 14, you have said it is vain to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance, the ordinance of the tithe, that we walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the proud happy, yea, that they that work wickedness are set up, yea, they that tempt God, said they're even delivered. In other words, Christians have got to be very careful that they don't see sinners prospering and see good things going on. And they see people they know that are absolutely anti-God. So they say, man, what use is it? We're serving God and we're tired to look at that. They got it made. He said, don't start doing that. They don't have it made. At any point in time, the devil can pull the rug up from under them and everything's gone. But when you're a tither, although you go through rough times, and just remember this, that devours the devil. And sinners aren't challenged in that way to go under. But Christians are because you're, you're serving God and he's attacking them. They're not being attacked like you are. And so it takes your faith to attack him. But God said this then. He said, don't say that, but then verse 16, and this is for you. This is for me. Look at your neighbor and say, this is for you. Say, this is for me. He says, then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened. He said, they're speaking one to another, the Lord listened, and he heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him that feared them, that feared the Lord, and that thought upon his name. So God was saying Christians need to encourage one another about the promises of God. Encourage one another. Tithing works. Encourage one another. And this, this blesses me because I know the Bible's true. God said, I keep records of my book up there, how you're talking. Is that in the Bible? And so for me, I know over the years, in hard times that Mrs. Pastor and I went through over the years, in good times, we have never, ever, ever, ever cursed God and said, why aren't you blessing us? Why is it not working? We knew that our job was to obey the Bible, stay consistent, stay faithful, stay right in our words, right in attitude about God. And the blessings had to come because God said, prove me, and they have come. Amen. Things are working. And so for wherever you are in life right now, the number one advice I can give you about your finances, be faithful to Jesus and give him 10% right off the top of it. And then as you have opportunity to give offerings, give offerings. But at the very least, give God his tithe and then keep your mouth shut. Unless you're going to talk right about God. That God's opened the windows of heaven. His blessings on my employment. His blessings on my home. His blessings on my car, His blessings on my kids, His blessings on my life, because God said it was, and I'm going to choose to believe God. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's stand up, and we'll do our financial faith confession, then bring your tithes and offerings up to the altar. And I want to say this again. It's so special to get to worship Jesus when we do praise and worship at the altar. There's just something, it's just a holy place. It's special. And so when you bring, when you bring your tithes up, some of you have your, your money, your checks up in an envelope. And a lot of you do it online now. Well, God knows you're a tither, you're a giver, you've already done it online. Come up anyway. Come up anyway, but the rest of us coming up and just stay up here and just worship at the altar. And I'll tell you, there's going to be something special happen in your life because the anointing you get under up here. Amen. Well, let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe, 
and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for all my financial needs, so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, give ministry in the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. After you guys put up your tithes, you're more than welcome to come up here and worship with us.
Setting sun. 
you 
You are faithful, Lord. And we thank you that you've never left us. You've never forsaken us, Lord. You've been there with us every step of the way. Whether we realized it or not, you were there, Lord. And we thank you that you are faithful. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. As we were singing the the bridge to that song there, it always reminds me of a verse in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19. It says that this hope, we're talking about Jesus, is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. And, you know, as we think about that, you know, what does an anchor do? It, it, it grounds you. It keeps you in place. It's, it prevents you from wandering and floating away to places that you're not supposed to go to. Amen. And I know that it's real easy with the current of this world to, to just kind of fall in line, fall in the stream and just go the way that society's going. But I'm telling you today, right now, that if our faith is in Jesus, he is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. He will keep you in place. He will stop you from going to where you don't need to go. You've got no business living a life full of fear. You've got no business living a life full of addiction. You've got no business living a life full of, of, of anger and, and, and depression. No, no, no. The Jesus Christ that we serve, the one that we're celebrating at this time of year. Amen. He is faithful. He is an anchor. And if we keep our faith in him, man, he will keep you where you need to be. Who knows that that's some good news for us today. Amen. Let's give him some praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We praise your name, Lord. And we ask that you would have your way in this service today, Lord. Do what needs to be done, Lord. We pray that you would speak what needs to be spoken. We love you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Can we give him one more shout of praise together today? Amen. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever and ever. Hallelujah. You may be seated this morning. Amen. I don't know about you, but that got me excited for worship night tonight, man. I'm, I'm ready. It's going to be an awesome night. Amen. Well, we're going to get into the message today. We're going to be kicking off our, uh, our Christmas series. And every year I kind of pray about what is it we need to specifically uh, discuss and look at at the Christmas season. And I was up in the woods a few weeks ago in Big Bear. I like to go out in the woods with my Bible and nobody else. All right. <laughs> and I was just I was reading and praying to the to the Lord. And and he led me to a very familiar Christmas passage, Isaiah 9, 6. And we're going to turn there in just a minute. But if you need an outline for the sermon to follow along with, raise your hand and the ushers will pass one out to you. I hope I printed enough. Desiree usually does that and she's out of town, so I had to do it myself. Uh, if it's cut crooked or looks just gnarly, you know what? Cut me some slack, people. Amen. <laughs> I'm not called to that stuff very much. But praise God. The title of our Christmas series is Mighty God. It's Mighty God. And who knows that we do serve a mighty powerful amen god he is so good to us and i and we get this title out of isaiah chapter 9 and we're going to look at verse 6 so we'll start making our way over there isaiah chapter 9 
and verse 6. And, and what we have here is uh, a messianic prophecy where Isaiah prophesied uh, the, the coming Messiah that would come to this earth someday. And at this point in time here, he was looking to the future. And now as we're celebrating this Christmas season, we're looking that, hey, the Messiah has come. Amen. And so we get to look at this from that vantage point. But Isaiah chapter nine and and verse six, and this will be our, our, our theme verse for the next few weeks. But Isaiah chapter nine, verse six in the New Living Translation, it says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Who knows that he is a wonderful counselor, amen? <laughs> you need some counsel, praise God. Jesus is your man, amen? The Holy Spirit especially. But Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then it goes on uh, to talk about Jesus some more. But I love all those things, all those names that it gives to Jesus right there. We could take a long time to look at any individual one of those, but we're going to specifically focus these next few weeks on that it calls him right there, the mighty God. And I love that, 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 that Jesus is the mighty God. We saw a few weeks ago, we had a very fun, cuddly time together studying the battle of Armageddon. Who remembers that? That was fun. Wow. Gee whiz. And so we saw that when Jesus, amen, uh, at Christmas, we celebrate that Jesus came to earth as the, as the, as the little baby, amen, born to the virgin, uh, the, the sinless, spotless lamb of God, nothing more innocent than a baby. So the first time he comes, he comes as a baby. And, and we love that, but you better know that he didn't stay as a little baby. He grew up and he is coming back to the earth someday. Believe me, as the mighty God. Amen. And he is a mighty God right now at this point in time. And you should know that he is bigger. He is stronger. He is greater than anything that could ever come against you in this life. Listen, if you're in a fight, you want Jesus on your side. Don't you? Amen. You wanted him on your side. You don't want to be going against him. That is a guaranteed loss. If you're fighting against him. But the good news is Romans 8 tells us if God is for us, who could ever be against us? Amen. And so someone would say, man, but yeah, I get that. But you don't know what's coming against me. And I would say, okay, but you must not know my Jesus. He's bigger than that. Amen. Oh, man, you guys better get excited today. I, I, listen, you better get into this because now I'm getting happy about Jesus this morning. Amen. He is the mighty God, the name above every name, the Lord above every Lord. He is the king of all kings. There's nobody 
nobody, amen, that is on the, he has no peers. He has, you know, sometimes people are like, well, the, the devil is God's, is Jesus arch nemesis. He is his, you know, uh, his equal, but evil. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Listen, uh, uh, the, the devil is not uh, Jesus equal en- no enemy. No, he is way below that. Amen. Jesus, there's nobody in his league. There's nobody on his level. And the cool thing is, is that he lets guys like me and people like you come in to the presence of almighty God. Well, think about that, man. You know, when, you know, think of there was some powerful, super rich, famous person that came into Barstow. Everybody would be like, I just want to get into their presence. I just want, what if Taylor Swift rolled through here, okay? And you're like, I just want to be in her presence. If I could just, okay, clearly some of you aren't fans. Whatever. I, I'm not, I'm not, but anyway, but, but, you know, people would be begging to get in just to, to the presence and, and her bodyguards would say, no, get away. You can't touch her. The creator of the entire universe. Hello. Amen. God almighty. The one that holds the entire waters of the earth in the palm of his hand. The one that uses the mountains as stepping stones. Listen, you're allowed to go in to his presence through the name of Jesus. If that doesn't light your fire, your wood must be wet. Come on. <laughs> Listen, this is good news for us today, all right? So we're going to look at a few points uh, this morning to kick off this series about mighty God. A few things that you've got to understand, even out of the Christmas story that apply to us today. So I want to pray one more time, then we're going to get into God's word today. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you that we have a, a church to gather together in and obey you in that regard. And Lord, we also, we thank you that we've got your holy written word before us that we can study together. And Lord, I pray that as we open the Bible today, as we study your word, you would speak to each one of us here, Lord. And I thank you that we're changing, Lord. We want to be better. We want to be more like you. And so help us today to receive this and to do what your word says in Jesus' mighty name. Can someone say amen? All right, let's look here at number one. Number one today is this. God's ways are different than our ways. God's ways are different than our ways. Has anybody caught on to that yet in life? That, hey, if I could have it my way, I would just have like a billion dollars dumped into my lap. And I mean, I, you know, but clearly that hasn't been God's way for me. So listen, whatever it is that you are facing in life, you just need to know now that God's ways are different than our ways. And as we look at the Christmas story, the people of Israel in Jesus day were very much looking forward to a Messiah coming and saving them. They were looking forward to this, but here's the thing. They were under Roman occupation at the time. The Romans uh, were in control of them, and the Jewish people were hating every second of it. It, it, You know, you can study history. It it wasn't a pleasant way to live your life. Uh, And they were hoping and praying for a Messiah to come to the world and free them of their captivity and to annihilate the Romans. They were looking forward to this. And so in their mind, a Messiah would come, a savior, a hero 
But he was going to be like a military man. They were looking for another King David to come with an army and a sword and to fight off the Romans and to set them free. And God answered the prayer. He sent a Messiah, but he wasn't a Navy SEAL. It was a little baby born in a barn. He wasn't even even born in a house. He wasn't even born at the hospital. God answered the prayer, but it was clearly in an entirely different way than what they had imagined. God sent a baby to save the world. Nobody saw that coming. And as I was reflecting, you know, on all this this week, I can say that there's definitely been times in my life when I prayed for something and then the answer came, but it didn't look anything like I imagined it would look like. And I'll take it a step further even that there's been times when God answered my prayers and I totally didn't notice because it was so outside of what I was expecting. Anybody? Have you been there where you've been praying for something and and you're still sitting there like, God, man, I'm just looking for answers. I'm just, you know, just show me the way. Just make this happen. Could you just blah, blah, blah. And then you've been so busy telling God how to do his job because in your mind you knew how it should look. That the answer has already been provided. He already answered the prayer, but you didn't even notice. There's a lot of people still praying for a savior and a Messiah. He's here. People just didn't notice yet. But I'm telling you, Jesus is the real deal. And if we would look at our lives and, 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 you know, maybe sometimes get our eyes off of ourselves or, or maybe, uh, stop, uh, putting God inside of a box. You know what I mean? God, you, I'm, I'm believing you're going to answer this prayer and I don't care how you do it because I've got cash app. I've got a bank account. You could just Venmo me. I don't care, Lord. Uh, I'll even start to go fund me. You just Lord, answer this prayer. Amen. Any way you want, as long as it's like this. Hallelujah. I don't know. I found out that uh, God's ways are different than my ways. And I refuse to tell God how to do his job because I just struggle to do my own job good enough. Amen. <laughs> he is doing a much better job than any of us could ever even imagine. And I want you to look this morning at first Corinthians chapter one. This is not typically a passage that you would look at while studying Christmas, but I want to read this passage because I believe that it perfectly fits our generation. I believe this passage really describes a lot of people in our modern society and in this generation. And, you know, there's there's people, maybe you've come across them that, you know, oh, you're you, you actually believe that stuff. Tell them what I got it all figured out. <laughs> I mean, you're you believe that. Wow. What else you believe? And and there's people that that. Uh, this world would call intellectuals. They're the, 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 the bright minds of our age and our generation. You know, they can invent a, uh, you know, a, 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 a computer. They can, they can invent all these things, whatever. And they are so smart and to be revered, but they can't tell you how to have peace inside of their hearts. They can't tell you how to, how to fix a marriage. They, they, they can't tell you how to have joy because they don't know. Why? Because to them, they got to understand every tiny aspect of this thing. And I'm going to tell you right now, you will never understand every facet of God. If you've got God totally figured out, 
you're a liar. (laughs) He is so much bigger and beyond our comprehension. But the more I know about him, the more I love him and the more I want to be closer to him. But if God was small enough for my peanut brain to figure out, tell you what, he's not that big, but he is incredible. He is beyond all understanding. All right. So uh, first Corinthians Chapter one, and Paul was a very intellectual man, and he's discussing, uh, these type of people right here. And I want you to see a few things, alright? First Corinthians one, verses 18 through 28. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. Is there someone in here today, you know that, hey, this is the power of God right here. Amen. There's people out there. They don't get it. They don't get you. And that's okay. Listen, because when you've got Jesus in your heart, this stuff starts to make sense. Amen. You begin to have uh, some understanding uh, in, in your life. And right. And so Verse 19, as the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Come on. They can put their best stuff out there, but to God, it's just nothing. Verse 21, since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. Now, what does that mean? You will never come to Jesus through your mind because you've totally got him figured out. It's going to take faith. It's going to take coming to Jesus with your heart. Amen. You can't get to God through your mind. You got to get to him through your heart. And that's where so many people trip up because they rely so much only on this. But I'll tell you, there will come a point in time, no matter how smart you are, there will be problems that your mind cannot figure out. And there's people of faith, there's born again Christians, the people in this room today that you've got answers that the brilliant minds in this world, they could never get. Why? Because you've got the wisdom of God. Amen. You've got the mind of Christ inside of you. And so verse 22, it is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. And it's foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. Amen. And that sounds like the same stuff that we see today. Verse 24. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Amen. That's good news today. Come on. Verse 26. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Listen, none of us in here, God just called you because you were so wise and wealthy and good looking and strong. I know you people. It's a small town. Okay. 
Listen, none of us, no, none of us were just called because we just got it all together. But that's the good news is that God's not looking for perfect, powerful, super intelligent people. No, no, no. Look at this. Verse 27. Instead, God chose the God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. I love that. How God, he chooses things that the, that the people of this world are like, man, she's a nobody. She's a loser. What could she do? Look at this guy. He's nothing. And God could use that very person to do something powerful and mighty and earth changing. Isn't this good news? Uh, anybody in here that's not perfect should be saying amen now. If you got it all together, then, you know, praise God, this may not excite you that much. The rest of us that were a mess, we love this stuff. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Verse 28, God chose things despised by the world. Things counted as nothing at all and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. And I don't know if I put verse 29 in there, but as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. And so isn't it incredible? This is part of the Christmas story, how God can use something so simple, so innocent as a little baby to come in and be the savior of the entire world. The intellectuals of the day, the smart people of that day, they never saw it coming. And the intellectuals and the smart people of our day still don't see that it ever even happened. They won't acknowledge it, but that's okay because God uses the things that seem powerless and foolish to the people of this world to shame them. Amen. Nobody, verse 29, can stand in the presence of God and boast. Your best stuff, your best accomplishments in this world. Yeah, well, I made $5 million. Do you realize what that is to God? It's nothing. That's nothing at all. You guys, yeah, but I did this and I did that. And God's going to be like, You know, you got nothing. Nobody can boast in the presence of God. And I personally love how God uses the little things, the insignificant things of this world to do something mighty and powerful and earth changing. That's really good news for guys like me. Amen. God can do something with me. God can do something with you because we got to know his ways are different than our ways. And so nothing is more innocent than a little baby, but nothing was ever more powerful than that little baby. And the, you, you listen, the devil does not like that little baby. Who knows that? Amen. We see it all the time. You know, even in our day and age, I see stuff like uh, down at the mall, someone will vandalize the nativity scene. Someone will steal baby Jesus or something like that. I'm like, really? You think stealing baby Jesus is going to spook all of us and, you know, oh, man, now I don't believe anymore because you see Ruth. No, no, listen, he's more powerful than that. Come on, man. And you see all these fights about, yeah, well, don't this could offend this person. And that. I'm like, listen, no, I, I don't care. I don't care. They don't care about offending me and cussing in front of my children and saying perverted things in front of my kids. I don't care if the name of Jesus offends you. I simply do not care. Why? I don't care. doesn't matter to me. 
You know, I, I, where I used to live, I had built a pretty good nativity in front of my house. And one of the other neighbors was like, just so you know, this guy over here, he's a little offended about that. He, he thinks, you know, uh, you know, he, he's an atheist and he doesn't believe and, and just word around the neighborhood. I was like, really? Guess what? I put a, two more bales of hay and got some LED lights and shined it on baby Jesus. I'm like, yeah. Hey, next year he's getting bigger. You know what I mean? Come on. Yeah. I don't care, dude. Why? Because they do things all the time that are offensive to me, you know, and I, I don't get offended, whatever. I mean, I expect it from people, but I don't care. You're not going to stop me from celebrating Jesus. You're not gonna, it's his birthday, man. You want all the presents, but you don't want him. Adios. We don't need you here, man. You know? All right. I better get back. That reminds me of a story that I heard one time. There was... <laughs> There was uh, there was a, an older Christian lady who lived next door to an atheist, and every day when the lady was praying, she you know she was a Pentecostal lady like some of y'all out there. She got loud and and she prayed, amen. And uh, and so every day he heard her pray, and he think to himself, "What is oh that crazy old lady? Doesn't she know there is no God?" And so sometimes he'd even go over there while she was praying and be like, "Hey." God's not real. He can't even hear you. What are you doing? You know, you're crazy. And so one day, this, this older lady, she had ran out of groceries. So she was just in her house praying and, and you know, doing her thing. And uh, they'll, you know, the crusty old atheist neighbor there, he's like, oh, my gosh, I've, I've had enough. I, you know what? I'm going to put an end to this. So he goes out to the grocery store, buys a whole bunch of groceries, puts them on her doorstep, rings the doorbell, and goes and hides in the bushes. Well, she opens the door, sees all these groceries, and and she starts, oh, thank you, Jesus, Lord, I knew you'd come through. He jumps out of the bushes. Ha! I gotcha! Guess what? God didn't bring those groceries. I paid for them, and I delivered them. She took off running down the street. Woo! Thank you, Jesus! Woo! 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 And, and, and so he chases her down and gets on her. What are you, what is wrong with you, lady? And she's like, I knew that God was gonna bring me groceries. I never expected him to have the devil pay for them. Woo! <laughs> Amen. Ha! The joke's on you. Amen. And so, in all honesty, did you know that sometimes God can even use an unsaved person to get his job done? You know, you look all the way back in the book of Joshua. uh, God used a prostitute named Rahab to be the big helper to get the people of Israel into the promised land that they still have today. The very land that's being fought over today, you know, 4,000 years later, uh, a prostitute named Rahab helped helped the Israelites get into that land. You know that, right? Uh, uh, how about in, in, in the book of Numbers, chapter 22, there was a prophet named Balaam that would not listen to God, so God used a donkey to talk to the prophet. Amen? That's in the Bible? Yeah, it's in the Bible. There's some great stuff in there if you'd read it. It's really cool. Amen? And so, you know, God, if God could use a donkey, <laughs> he could use us, right? And he could use even, he could even use some, some sinner to get his job done. And oftentimes it's even more funny when he uses one of them. Amen? And so just write this down. I'm not turning there, but Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, the Lord says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. Amen? Who's like, hey, thank God his thoughts aren't like mine because I got some crazy thoughts sometimes. Amen? 
and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I'm telling you this morning, God does things differently than what you would do. And you better say, thank God, because he's a lot smarter than we are. Amen. All right, let's go to number two today. Talking about our mighty God. Number two, we have to trust his plan. We have to trust his plan. This is called faith. When we believe without being able to see it yet, believing without seeing, this is faith. A verse you could write down. I'm not turn there, but Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Now, we're going to talk about trusting God's plan. Uh, you know, in, in the Protestant church, we obviously don't see Mary in the same light as the Catholic church does. That's not an offensive statement. It's a factual statement. But I do want to say I've got some major respect for Mary. I've got some major respect for Mary. And, you know, oftentimes I hear people get all, you know, well, blah, blah, blah about Mary. Listen, uh, I heard one preacher say it this way. Uh, you're not going to get on anybody's good side by talking bad about their mom, okay? <laughs> Don't talk bad about Jesus' mom. I'll just tell you that. Uh, you, you know, you're not going to get on his good side. But what I love about Mary is, honestly, she was a girl full of faith, Mary, as a teenage girl, had some massive faith. And, uh, you know, most scholars believe that, you know, when the angel Gabriel appeared to her, she was between 13 to 16 years of age. Uh, as young as 13, maybe 13 to 16 years of age. That was the age that a girl would have been uh, engaged at that point in time. And uh, she gets some of the biggest news, really the biggest news ever in the history of the world. And so I want to look here at Luke chapter 1. Let's flip over there. Luke chapter 1. We having a good time today? Are you still glad you came to church? Amen. Luke chapter 1. We're going to look here at verses 30 through 38. Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through 38. And here we have the angel has appeared to Mary. And he's speaking to her. Luke chapter 1 and verse 30. It says, Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Who knows that, that he's still reigning. His kingdom's still going strong, man. This is awesome. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. And that baby was John the Baptist, right? Verse 37, for the word of God will never fail. Who knows that? 
that the word of God will never fail. Verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Can you imagine having this experience when you were a teenager? I know, seriously, having this experience, you know, the angel of God, Gabriel, appears and says, listen, no, no pressure, but uh, we're going to, you're going to be responsible for raising the son of God. <laughs> like, whoa, my gosh, dude, I, I can't imagine uh, that, you know, that sort of a thing happening. But Mary says something right there in verse 38. She says, okay. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And, and the King James puts it so poetically, be it unto me according to thy word. Isn't that incredible? And, and so that, I love Mary. She, she was full of faith. And let's say she was 14, 15 years old. Think about this. Most of the 14 year olds I know now, <laughs> Gabriel would have to pause Fortnite just to get them to blink. Then they'd probably choke on their talkies and Red Bull before, I mean, you know, let alone say, be it unto me according to thy word. Uh, but I, I love this, that she just trusted God. I love this. That's what people of faith do. When they get a hold of the word of God, they're like, okay, there it is. Be it unto me according to thy word. And and I, I, I love this level of faith. But she was going to have to trust the plan of God. And Mary did trust God's plan. She did stick with God's plan and did everything she could to raise Jesus right, other than the time she lost him for a few days when he was 12 years old. But they, she found him. She found him. And I have major respect uh, for everything that she did. She, she just stuck with the plan. She stuck and trusted with God's plan. I read this story about a little girl back in the 1920s um, that she hadn't really traveled much before in her life. But she had to take a train ride through the countryside. And along the, the course of the ride, they had to cross over rivers and different streams and stuff like that. She had never done this before. And so every time uh, that they would approach water, she'd get really nervous because she had no idea. Like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? And, and every time there was a bridge and they could just safely cross to the other side. Well, after a few times of realizing this, she just kicked back and breathed a sigh of relief. And she said to her parents, somebody has put bridges for us all the way. And I'm thinking about that, that man, sometimes we're going through life on our journey and it seems like, oh man, this is coming up. How are we ever going to get over this? How are we ever going to cross to the other side of this? Well, you should know somebody has built bridges all the way for you along the whole journey. Amen. But what do you got to do? You got to trust his plan. You got to stick with his plan. Amen. And when we get off of his path, sometimes like, well, if God's so good, then then why did this happen? If he's got all these plans for my life, then why did this happen? Well, here you go. He does have all these great plans. And guess what? When some of these bad things have happened, uh, it's because I wasn't sticking to his plan. I was sticking to my plan. And I got burned. I fell in the water. I had some bad things happen, but it wasn't from him. John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus, the good shepherd, said, I have come to give you life. 
and life more abundantly. Amen. And the NLT says a rich and satisfying life. And so sometimes like, well, why did this happen? Well, God didn't send it on you. There's a thief in this world. Amen. There's a devil. But the good news is God is good. He wants good for you. And when we stick with his plan, that doesn't mean nothing, you know, there's never any difficulty, but there's always a bridge to the other side. He's not going to let you drown. Amen. I love how Isaiah said it. When I go through the fire, I will not be consumed. When I go through deep waters, I will not drown. God is going to get me through this. But you've got to stick with him and we've got to do things his way. And as we've said, don't think that just because you experience some hard times or confusing times that you aren't where God wants you or well, I must have missed his will because I know that there's nothing difficult ever happens if you're right there in the will of God. Well, if being in God's will means that you never have difficulty, then Peter and James and John, the apostle Paul, They must have never been in God's will because they had some difficult times. Who knows that Jesus himself faced some difficult times and he was perfectly in the will of God. And so, yeah, even if I'm right where God wants me, there will be storms that come. But the good news is, according to Luke 6, verses 46 through 49, if my house is built on the solid rock foundation, storms come, but the house doesn't blow down. I still have my household. I've still got my family. Jesus will keep it all together if he's the foundation. Is there anybody in here today that you've made Jesus your foundation? Come on, yeah. He's the only real, solid, stable foundation that we could ever have. And as I mentioned earlier, sometimes God's already answered a prayer and we didn't even realize it. Just let me know. Is there anybody that you've been there? Am I the only one in here? I mean, sometimes it's already happened. And oftentimes the dream you have in life maybe has even come true. It just looks different than you originally thought. I was thinking about Joseph in the Bible. He has this dream when he's a, a you know a young man, a teenager, about how he's going to be the one that all his family can come to for help. And, and, and he has this dream that all of his brothers bow down to him. I've had that same dream. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm kidding. Oh, 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 no, I'm kidding. I never dreamed that. But Here's where Joseph went wrong. He had that dream and he actually told his brothers. <laughs> Listen, uh, if you're like me and, and you know, and you just, you wouldn't, if you got the brothers I have, you wouldn't tell them that sort of thing, right? They would pummel you. And, and that's what Joseph's brothers did. And so he's a dreamer. He has dreams from God. But as we know, he gets sold into slavery. Then he gets put in prison and thing after thing after thing keeps happening. Well, one day, uh, you know, if you're familiar with the story, around Genesis chapter 37. You look it up yourself. But but Joseph is risen to being in charge of all the food in the land. Amen. And he is the vice president, the second in charge of all of Egypt. And sure enough, there's a famine. His brothers have to come and get food from Egypt. And who do they have to ask food from? Joseph. <laughs> The little runt, <laughs> the little guy that they just thought was a you know, little loser. They beat him up and, you know, whatever. And, and so they've got to come to him and bow down for food. And they don't realize it's him. And it's at this moment that Joseph's like, oh, my gosh, the dream came true. 
but I didn't think it was going to look like this, but it actually happened. And sometimes in our life, you're like, man, God, you gave me that dream. Whatever happened to it? Yeah. Why? What, what, when's it going to happen? And maybe God's saying, hey, look around. It happened. You just didn't think it was going to look like this. I've shared this a lot of times, but when I was a kid, you know, we, we lived in Indiana. And I'm glad I'm not there right now because it's super cold. But anyway, so there, the, you know, we, we had this church and, and the church was growing and doing well, yada, yada. And we, we had this dream. My dad had this dream of, of we're going to build a church right next to the highway there. Nice big church with a big old cross on it so people can, you know, Jesus is Lord coming down the highway. Well, things happen and that never happened. And, uh, and so years later, you know, I'm thinking about that. Man, God, I remember that we used to talk about that, claim that, and pray about that. It never happened. And then one day, I'm out in the parking lot there. I look up. Giant building, giant cross. One of the busiest interstates in the, in the United States is like a quarter mile that way. I'm like, the dream did happen. I just didn't think it would look like this. I thought there would be trees and grass and flowers and birds. But... <laughs> Other than that, other than that, but like, here it is. The dream actually happened. It just didn't look like this when we dreamed it, but the dream came to pass. And I'm so grateful that God's ways are so much better. I looked up the statistics one day. I forget exactly right now, but that interstate in our town at the time, uh, it had like 20,000 cars a day go through it or something like that. On a busy weekend out here, I looked up CHP stats, like something like a couple hundred thousand cars a day go past the church out there, a quarter mile up through it. I'm like, boom, thank you, Jesus, amen. Your ways are so much better. Now, don't you know there's people that come here because they saw a cross lit up at nighttime, amen. There's a guy that comes to the Sunday night service. He lives in Victorville. You guys that come to Sunday nights know him. By the way, come to church tonight. There's going to be a great worship night right here. You're going to love it, amen. So there's an older man from Victorville. He was driving by one night and saw this this big old cross lit up from the freeway. And he turned in here like, oh, I didn't know there was a church there. And now he comes from Victorville every Sunday, never misses, from Victorville every Sunday night comes to church here because of that cross. I love that, man. Isn't God good? Aren't his ways better than our ways? Amen. Stick with his plan. And the third thing we're going to say today is this. Number three, we have to obey him. We have to obey him. You got to do things his way. And we're like, yeah, well, I, I want the promises of God, but is there just, an, I mean, can I do it my way? It doesn't work that way. You know, there's an old hymn written in 1887 called Trust and Obey. Amen. Trust and obey, for there's no other way than to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. That doesn't sound that complicated because it's not. Trust and obey. James 1.22 tells us to be doers of God's word and not hearers only. The blessings of God don't come just from hearing about them. They come when we hear God's word and do God's word. That's when the blessing comes. I'd rather have somebody in my corner that knows one Bible verse and actually does it than some crusty old religious guy that knows a thousand Bible verses and doesn't obey a single one. I'll take somebody that can do, at least do one Bible verse than somebody that just hears a bunch but doesn't do any of it. Why? James 1.22 says that is a deceived person. 
And I don't like to hang out with deceived people. I'm sorry. I mean, they're lost and they don't even know it. All right, one more verse here. Uh, we're going to skip ahead in the life of Jesus to about the time frame of him being 30 years old. And we're going to look at John chapter 2, all right? So we're jumping from little baby Jesus to grown man Jesus, all right? John chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And here in a few minutes, we're going to be receiving communion together. We always receive communion together on the first Sunday morning of the month. And uh, so we're, we'll be doing that in a few minutes. And anybody watching online, we invite them to receive communion too if they've got, you know, some uh, things at their house they could take it with. John chapter 2, and we're going to look here at verses 1 through 5. And we know this is Jesus uh, really uh, getting started here, amen, uh, getting started in his ministry. John chapter 2, verse 1, the next day... There was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, all right? So we've got Mary and we've got Jesus, amen? Two of the originals from the Christmas story. Verse 2, And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. I want to pause right there for any teenagers or children in the building today. If your mom ever brings a problem to you, never say, woman, that is not my problem. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just doing what Jesus said. That's G. Okay, you know, we want to follow after Jesus. Just trust me. Don't do that. Mom will be angry. Okay, so but but anyway, so uh, but Jesus said, uh, my time has not yet come, but his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you, do whatever he tells you. And uh, th- just that one statement right there, <laughs> just that right there. Mary had raised this boy. He's a grown man now. And she had already learned by now, do what he says to do. All right. Even if it sounds wild and, and you know, you can read the rest of the story. It is a plan that didn't make much sense, but sometimes God's going to give you a plan that just doesn't make much sense up here. But if it's in here and always, if it's in here, it's got to be in the Bible. God will never tell you something that does not line up with the Bible. Yeah. God, funny thing. God told me this, this, and this. I know the Bible doesn't line up with that, but that's what he told me. Then that wasn't God. I don't know, you ate a bad burrito last night or something and had heartburn, but whatever, that wasn't God. God's not going to tell you something opposite of what he already written in his word a couple thousand years ago. Amen? And so, learn this much, though, out of all of this. Whatever he tells you to do, amen, just do what he says. You're going to have to trust him, and it's not always going to line up with how you would have done it, but trust him obey him do what he says amen and listen you will start to see the mighty god showing up in your life is there anybody in here today hey the mighty god has shown up in your life he's done some things amen that nobody could have done that nobody could have seen coming but the mighty god jesus prophesied about it in isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 he's the wonderful counselor the mighty god the everlasting father the prince of peace 
He's in your life every day. Amen. And as we do things his way, as we trust him, amen, he can do some incredible things in our lives. Amen. Trust and obey. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to go ahead and wind things down there today because we want to receive communion together. Did anybody receive anything from the word of God this morning? Hallelujah. Let's stand up together this morning. Amen. Now to receive communion with us uh, here at High Desert Word Center today, you don't need to be a member of this church, but you do need to be a member of the body of Christ, the family of God, the kingdom of God. You need to have Jesus in your heart. You got to be a born again Christian. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the number one step to everything. So many people are just lost. They're, they're spinning in circles in life. And it, it's never gonna work. I'll just promise. It will never work. You will never get it figured out until you take care of the very first step. The very first step is Jesus. The very first step is calling on the name of the Lord and receiving Jesus. And the scripture tells us that you're you're blinded before then. Your eyes are blinded by the devil. Jesus is the light of the world. When we receive him in, he just shines a light on everything. And that's why some of these things, we start to understand them that we couldn't before. And we know the way to go. And so before we receive communion today, I want to lead us in a prayer together uh, to get things right with the Lord. And maybe you're here and you're like, yeah, I did that once. Well, okay. Uh, you know, it is possible that somebody had been living for the Lord, but he didn't let go of you. But let's get real. Sometimes we've let go of him and we've just kind of walked off and done our own thing. And the book of James, the very last verse, James chapter five, the very last verse, it says that if we can get somebody that's wandered from the truth to come back, we've saved a brother from hell. We've saved a sister from hell. And so this is very serious to us. I don't want anybody to go to hell and everybody wants to go to heaven, but so many people just don't want to acknowledge that there is a hell. And so the good news is Jesus was born to the Virgin Mary. Amen. He lived that perfect life. He died on the cross. He rose again. I owed a very big debt in sin. I was going to have to answer to God for my sins and make my own way, pay my own way uh, for my sins. Jesus paid for my sins. Amen. And I've received that. And now I know that I'm going to heaven someday. And so many of you do too. But we're going to pray a prayer today. And Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if we would believe in our heart and say with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, we would be saved. Everybody has to have a moment that they've done this in. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? And I'd like to lead us together in this prayer. Say this with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died, that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. Give me the strength to live for you. My life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise on that? Amen.
Now here in a few minutes after communion, if you're interested in some additional help, if you're interested in taking the next steps, I'm going to give you some instructions on that. But for now, we want to go ahead and start receiving the elements. And so let's dismiss one row at a time. Come up and get your communion. Go back to your spots. Remain standing when you get there. And let's just uh, give the Lord a few minutes here. Amen. wanted to share a few verses with us before we receive communion today. Um, I'm going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy is a very special letter because it's the last letter that Paul wrote before he died. He was getting ready to be executed by the Roman government. And, uh, and so he's, you know, it's a serious letter. He's writing to a young pastor named Timothy. And I love some of the things he says in here. But 2 Timothy 2, verse 11, he says, This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny who he is. And maybe you're here and you're like, I don't know, man. I've been unfaithful. I haven't been perfect. Listen, it's not about you being perfect. It's about him being perfect. Amen. Now, I got to live a holy life. I got to do my best for Jesus. No doubt about it. But I'm not getting to heaven on my own righteousness anyway. I'm not self-righteous. But I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21. And so I encourage you today, man. Today's a day of forgiveness and hope. If you're here and you have felt hopeless, Jesus is our hope. And so 
we always look at 1 Corinthians 11 when we receive communion. And I'm going to do that. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27, it says, So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself or judge yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some people have even died. And so it's a, you know, it's a serious thing as we take communion that we judge ourselves. We examine our lives for a few minutes here today. Amen. This is our moment. Uh, if we need to repent, do it now. Don't wait. If you need to talk to God about something, do it right now. It may be you need to say, Lord, I'm sorry that I did this. Maybe you need to say, God, I'm sorry that I didn't do what you told me to do. Whatever the case is, let's take a few minutes to examine ourselves, not the people around us. Examine yourself. God will deal with them. You deal with you. Let's judge ourselves, examine ourselves for just a minute here, and then we'll receive the communion elements. Amen. Look at 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 23. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. And so we take this this morning, understanding that this represents the body of Jesus Christ that was beaten for us that was <laughs> tortured for us lord thank you that you paid the price for our sins it should have been us but you did it for us we do this to remember you thank you jesus amen then we'll take the juice here in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often 
as you drink it. And so, Jesus, we take this juice this morning and we understand that this represents your blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. It had to happen, Lord, and you did it for us. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins today in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we sing nothing but the blood of Jesus together this morning? Amen. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. take some time for prayer this morning uh, before we close things out. Can I have my prayer team come up today? Amen. Listen, if, uh, if a few minutes ago before communion, you prayed that prayer with us and you would say that this is my moment that I've come back to the Lord, or maybe this is your moment where you've received Jesus for the very first time. The greatest gift we could give you is the gift of discipleship. And so what we have is we have a 30 day mentorship uh, program that we do mainly via text message, uh, where, uh, if you would like a, a mentor, we call it a spiritual personal trainer. This is Jose over here raising his hand, all right? If you would come to Jose while we're praying for people, give him your information. We will connect you with somebody else from church here. They're going to text you uh, some Bible verses and a devotion every day for the next 30 days. They will be praying for you. If you got questions and want to talk, they'll do that. Uh, but we want to do everything we can to help you stay on the right path. That is our number one goal. If you're here and you need prayer for anything at all today, anything, we've got a, a team of people up here that want to pray for you. And I'm so sorry my wife, Pastor Katie, is not here. She is the most popular prayer person in the church. Everybody wants her to pray. She's like a celebrity. I'm like, oh, whatever. But anyway, you'll have to just come to one of us plain people today. It's, it's okay. Amen. So, uh, but if you need prayer, come on up. We want to pray for you. And if you're interested in a spiritual personal trainer, come see Jose. Pastor Josh is going to lead us in a little bit more worship. I'm asking that you give God a few more minutes of reverence today for people that are getting prayed for. Amen. Just a few more minutes here. Let's go. God of Abraham. Time and time again, you have. 
Jesus, I'm an anchor to the ground. I'm a hope and firm foundation. He'll never let me down. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground. My hope and firm foundation. He'll never let me down. No, he'll never let me down. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your Unto the setting same I will praise your name Great is your faithfulness to me go ahead and start winding things down here this morning. Amen. Trust that everybody's been blessed from the word of God today. And I encourage us as we're getting into this Christmas season, we know this, but Jesus is the reason, isn't he? Amen. It's all about him. And we don't ever want to forget that. I want to remind you, um, uh, first of all, if this was your first time with us today, you got an info card. Heather is right back there at the info booth. Turn that into her. She's got a great gift for you. We want to thank you for being with us today. And I highly encourage you, come back out tonight at 6 o'clock. It's just a, it's a worship night. And, you know, maybe you're like, well, I don't do Sunday nights. Well, do it tonight. Just try it out, you know. I mean, hey. Uh, come on out tonight, 6 o'clock. A lot of the other churches will all be gathered together here with us, worshiping the Lord, and it's just going to be absolutely great. So be here tonight. Let's go ahead, and we're going to close out in prayer, and then you can be dismissed. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for your goodness and mercy. And Lord, we know that just like we've seen this morning, that you are the mighty God. And Lord, we got to trust you. We got to do things your way, but we certainly know that you are mighty. You are powerful and you want to do some awesome things in our lives as we obey you. Lord, use us this week to be the light of the world and to show your love to everybody we come across. And we thank you, Jesus, that you're blessing is on every home, every 
every family, every person here today, Lord. Your blessing is upon them. And we thank you that this will be the best Christmas that we have ever had yet. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give them some praise today? All right. We're going to do our Barstow Faith Confession, and then you can be dismissed. Let's say it together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. See you tonight.